So I just asked hey. you about the, oh. the what? Uh, <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. <sighs> we got to get better at this, by the way, because who's going first? I feel like, like you know, sometimes we step on each other, like we did just now. Anyway. Two so, alphas in a cage. I just mentioned the new Twitter, and to wit, you said, what new Twitter? And yeah, what new Twitter? They've got this new conversation thing. They may be doing A-B testing where I've got it and you don't. Where I don't the, use Twitter, though. Oh, the browser, I, you mean? I use TweetDeck. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> the browser version sucks ass, and clearly no one at Twitter uses it. They only use the mobile app, I would assume, because... The biggest gripe I have with the browser version is I'll I'll doom scroll, you know, and then I'll come back and then I'll be like, oh, there's an interesting tweet. And it detects like I've I've like come back or something and it refreshes the page. So I no longer can click it because it's now (laughs) six pages down. And, you know, half the time I'm scrolling, 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 seeing more more dystopia than I bargained for. Anyway, that sucks. And then, so this is a segue into something you alerted me to the other day, which, I don't know, can you describe it to me? Because I am i don't even know how to I, phrase this. I think in a very tiny nutshell, it's the cropping bias of the Twitter app itself. So when a user uploads a photo, Twitter cards have specific sizes, so it will, it uses machine learning slash AI to determine where to crop that image for display in the feed. And go ahead. And so I was starting to wonder, I'm like, why are people just like posting pictures of like Putin, Homer Simpson, Barack Obama, Nelson Mandela, animated characters, you know, women. I feel like the animated characters were Dylan's addition to the conversation. They could have been. And, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Is it B- Beatty, Beatty, Dylan Beatty? Um, I think it might be Beatty, actually, which is d- way different spelling than my Beatty. But yeah, he's he's almost famous. He's got a lot of great. Tw- in, in fact, this is the second time I've mentioned him this week because I sent you a video earlier in a week about the game of life, and I'm not talking. We about actually the talked game. about the game of life a long time ago with the um, one of our AI episodes, I believe. Anyway. One day I want to kind of come back to that because um, uh, I listened to a pod with uh, Joe Rogan, hosted Lex Friedman, and Lex is one of my favorite uh, hosts that he has because they're always talking, you know, these kind of what if scenarios and pretty just, heady shit for sure. Yeah, and we'll come back to that. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, tangent too much here. But so this bias thing, Bob, what's going on exactly? The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin of the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively the thoughts of Bob and Kevin and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present, and probably not future. I don't even know how it surfaced, but someone noticed that there is a picture of um, a, a black person and a white person uploaded and they started to notice um, repetition in the cropping that the cropping algorithm was focused on the, the initial premise was that it was focused on the white face. So someone posted about that. They did some additional tests. Um, and then this is where the evil Twitter engine comes into play, not the cropping engine, just the outrage engine. That's part of the algorithm <laughs> for Twitter. Um, you know, somebody said, now, wait a minute, your images. Yes, they're two 
it was male faces, two like gender faces, um, but one face is actually bigger than the other. Do you think that it could be the algorithm cropping out the larger face? And of course, there was some flaming going on with, oh, you're just, you know, justifying racist behavior. And I think they were actually trying to be objective about when you compare an apple to an apple, you better probably make sure you're comparing the same kind of apple to the same kind of apple, right? So then a bunch of people started uploading a, di- you know, a bunch of different tests and threads and threads and threads just based on, you know, they're stacked vertical images, by the way. So it's a large, tall vertical image with one face up near the top of the image and the other face down near the bottom. And the Twitter engine actually did a pretty good job of cropping the face in those large images in every test that I saw, which was kind of interesting that it seems like the algorithm actually can tell where a face is. So that's kind of cool. But, um, Lots of different tests about skin color, contrast, smile size, head size. And then, as you mentioned, Dylan's tweet today, who, you know, people keep testing the hypothesis. He used human faces and animated faces. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and already fast forward to my conclusion on all this. AI is biased. Machine learning is biased. They always will be one direction or the other it's like balancing an egg on on a knife's edge and that's going to segue further uh as our topics continue here but they're going to tweak an algorithm then it's going to be right for some things and wrong for other things you know should we show a picture of a hamburger or putin and you know sometimes it gets it right sometimes it gets it wrong but there is you know obviously this weird bias where you know you have barack obama and putin or somebody it's always showing like the white person's face. You know, even if you move it around, it finds the white person. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. Kevin just brings up the tests that people were doing is they would flip flop the orientation too. So, um, white guy face on top, black guy face on bottom, the image right next to it, black guy face on top, white guy face on bottom, and it would crop to the white face. Um, in most cases, there were some cases where they were able to get it to flip flop its behavior, but the dominant behavior was identifying the white face as the primary crop area. Yeah. I, it, it appears to have gotten the difference between Barack Obama as a person and a hamburger. Correct. I'm just scrolling through (laughs) thing here, but, uh, is a bender from Futurama. Uh, he's, you know, two images here and it just finds him and the woman, the white woman who's in there totally doesn't find her uh it's got kanye west and the same white woman and it puts the white woman both times you know it's, it's just really weird how it does it well, i mean but ma- i did like where dylan i think if i can infer where dylan was going there though is he was he was testing the contrast argument yes. so um bender and a white woman there's going to be more contrast in bender's cartoony face than hers so it should in theory should pick the more contrast identifiable object which would be bender right yeah and that's kind of where i was going to is this really a function of finding a face or finding the face that's most well defined and then the human puts the context around it goes aha you're racially and sexually or gender bias when it's really well it's just maybe a shitty algorithm well i think I think globally, I think universally, most people will agree that it appears to be somewhat of a shitty algorithm. (laughs) But um, I've mentioned this several times before in episodes where we've talked about AI and bias, is that 
I enjoy looking at these tests in these debates because I can easily equate it not just with AI, but with the human experience. And those who've listened to the show before know that I think I view training AI as like raising children. So in this example, you're teaching the algorithm what a face looks like. And if you constantly show that algorithm white faces, it is going to think that a face looks like a white face. The same thing is true with your children. If you're raising your children and you're only exposing them to a single cultural, you know, uh, line of thought, they're going to think that that is primary and therefore correct. So they're going to be confused about the value between a white face and a black face, you know, because they've only been exposed to white. So, so I believe what you're referring to is basically, um, you know, given certain inputs, um, you're, you're, you're asking the AI to produce a certain amount of, or a certain output. So given this, this is the right answer, positive reinforcement. And I, and maybe I'm conflating things here, but I read that article you sent me from Vox about open AI. And it basically said there's kind of two learning models, supervised and unsupervised. Supervised meaning um, here, given this, you should have that. And um, <laughs> well, we even talked about this on last episode about the social dilemma. You give the AI the task of identifying a face. And when it gets it right, it's fulfilled its mission. But if the majority of the faces that you've shown it are white faces and that equals a correct result, it's going to strive for that correct result. So in the real world, Bob, does your mom and dad come to you or did they come to you and say, Bob, this is a face. This is a hamburger. This is a cat. Here's another face. Here's another cat. You did that in a unsupervised way. You learn a combination of supervised and unsupervised. I mean, you remember when your yeah. kids were little, you yeah. show them a cow. What does a cow say? Moo. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's fair. So, but it's a mix then of supervised and unsupervised. Yes. So 20%, totally this is, this is what a prototypical dog looks like. This is what a prototypical cow looks like. However, you as a human then get are away, you're unsupervised, you're driving in a car and you see a field of animals. They don't look like any animals you had before, you know, the prototypical ones, the cow, the whatever, but you go, I bet you that's a cow because that one kind of looks like the one like I was told when I was supervised. So you make that own inference yourself. Okay, I got one for you. Pony okay. or horse? <laughs> <laughs> um, tomato, tomato, or I mean, little horse, <laughs> grown-up horse. But a pony is not a little horse. Okay, so a uh, what, what a colt is a uh, special kind of baby horse, but I, but I think like but it's a pony is a pony. Yes, um, <laughs> and a horse is a horse. But that and that a jackass makes, that and a makes mule the dad joke not funny. Why why the little horse not sing? It was a little horse or, a, or why the pony? I totally messed up the dad joke. Anyway, you get it. Gosh. You are listening to the Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gishesky. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. 
we rewind that? Anyway. No, we cannot. We but, need to keep that. Printed. So humans, just to kind of keep the analogy going, we have both supervised, so I call it parental direct instruction or sitting in a classroom with a teacher instruction. And then you have the opposite. Basically, when you're not with one of those two, you are now unsupervised and you are learning as a human being by interacting with the known universe and making your own synaptic connections, memories, thoughts, conclusions, inferences, correct? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we had an AI platform that could kind of do that on its own? Well, hang on. Before we get <laughs> okay. into the great segue, by the way, but uh, we have some due diligence here. We have our first ever live sponsor read. This episode of The Bob and Kevin Show is brought to you by Beatty Bar Media. Full disclosure, Beatty Bar Media is owned and operated by my oldest son, also the producer slash editor of The Bob and Kevin Show. But let me tell you a little bit about what Beatty Bar Media actually is. Kevin, Beatty Bar Media is an online editing and production company that specializes in music, podcast production, and video services for creators of all backgrounds. Their efficient and reliable services will save you time and stress on any project. Um, so basically, for those who are listeners of the show, know that we hired Josh to be our editor-producer a couple episodes ago. I'm pretty happy with uh, the outcomes of these episodes, and we've been trying to push him for, what's that phrase that you use, Kevin? Uh, audio pyrotechnics? Is yes. that what it was? Yes. <laughs> we actually have a call scheduled with Josh to discuss what audio pyrotechnics means, so uh, start doing your homework, Kevin. Um, but basically, listeners of this program, if you go to Beatty Bar dot media so that's b-a-t-y dash b-a-r-r dot media slash b-k show you can actually get a 10 percent discount on your first project using josh as your editor engineer producer you name it so go ahead and visit baitybar dot media slash b-k show b-a-t-y dash b-a-r-r dot media slash b-k show and sign up and get your 10 percent discount so with wow. that said, <laughs> I, I, I like having sponsors. Now, politics aside, it seems like everyone has the my pillow guy. So you know, I'm, I'm ready for the my pillow guy. I'm ready for you know, if we have to kind of. I want slum me it up. undies too. Uh, I the want potty, me undies. Potty squatty. Have you ever heard of that one? The squatty potty. You know where are you? Anyway, probably too much. Yeah, and what was that one? The bidet one that Andrew Yang is got sponsoring his oh, show. Just, uh, I just don't know if I can do a bidet. Tushy. Tushy.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that's going to take you, but <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. So, so back on Tester. So we, so Twitter is kind of, you know, a current live example of some sort of AI that's definitely flawed and um, it can't, I don't want to say can't tell people apart or races apart. I, I think it's just a shitty algorithm. This is what I want to believe. Maybe. And it's all about contrast, you know, higher <laughs> contrast photos just score better, you know, because what is ML going to do? It, it rates here. I think this is this based on this prediction. And this one is a 90% and this one's an 80%. Show the 90%. And it has no idea beyond that. That's my humble opinion. Yeah. And to be 100% honest, I struggle a little bit with expecting too much of a cropping algorithm for Twitter. Now, 
did they maybe try to solve a problem that really didn't exist? Wouldn't it have probably been easier just to give full cropping control to the poster instead of having a machine fix that problem? <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, you know, just think of the mechanics of it. You know, as a user, do you really expect to crop all of your images? Um, we're power users. We totally would do that. You and I would. But the grandma would grandma's grandma even on Twitter. I guess I gotta gut check that one. All right, somewhere <laughs> between grandma and Bob and Kevin, you know, is it reasonable to ask that person to to crop their image? Now, I would love that ability because half the time I crop or I post something, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> Actually, it's real funny. I've had a a lot of folks, or especially women, post something, and what does it crop? To the middle, and guess what? It's showing. It goes to no- their boobs. It's nothing so weird. but boobs. I won't complain about it, but I will say it may make me uncomfortable if if I was that poster. So I understand the the reason for some of this. You know, find the interesting thing, and then. Um, but here's here's the real problem. I think it's a computer science problem or an engineering problem. Once you crop that photo, you don't want to have to re invalidate the cache on your CDN. This isn't Twitter that's got a thousand users. This is Twitter that's got millions of users and a shit ton of content. Oh, let me tweak this crop here. I do my Twitter. Hell, we can't even get an edit button for the text, Bob. (laughs) And we're asking for a full crop. I'm just saying. One time shot on cropping. Ready, go. Yeah. I mean, but the overhead for that one time crop would be far less than the than teaching an algorithm what a face is. Well, yes and no again. Because if you share a link, we're getting that from like the open graph, right? You know, you can put in your metadata and your HTML tags. What image should we show if somebody links to this page? We'll show this one. We really don't have a whole lot of control over that. However, we would have control over, I've just uploaded a picture directly. And you know, before you hit publish, you know, a crop could occur there. However, a lot of people just click uh, or share an article that's already got a pre-cropped thing. So maybe you're right. Maybe we could do, hey, I've got this photo and it's right here. I'm posting it. It's not a link. It's just, I'm uploading this photo right here, right now. Give me the option to crop it. I think, I think you're right. But I also think a lot of people are like, fuck it, send, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's it. Yeah, I, I'd still, I, I'd, I'd just still not sold that Twitter solving a problem that needed to be solved with Bob, machine learning. You know as well as I do, anything you can attach ML or AI to, you get more investor money. So, <laughs> ding, 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 if, if you say we're Twitter, we have these many daily active users, and we have a cropper tool because we decided ML AI just it was not good enough, you get a lot of. Psh, Man, I thought these guys were cutting edge, you know. Oh, I think I'm gonna go over to that that Facebook where they you know, they solve their problems with ML and AI, which creates more problems. And yep, that's right. They use more ML and more AI to solve those problems and create even more. That's right. Let's let's go to a Facebook, guys. Oh my god. All right. So you mentioned an unsupervised ML. Yes. AI, right. Yes. Well, yes. before we get to the big one that we're going to talk about, I want to remind everyone that um, Microsoft tried this with a a chat bot, right? A Twitter, an M, an AI Twitter account that I was. Thought you were going to say Clippy. Clippy was the first version. Well, <laughs> shout out to Clippy Skypoint. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, didn't they try that with a Twitter account that basically was unsupervised learning that became a racist account in like oh. six hours? I'm vaguely, you know, that's, that sounds familiar. I, I don't know if I have the specifics on, but that totally doesn't surprise me. In fact, this the one we're going to bring up even has a disclaimer on their website. Hey, we fed our AI the internet, essentially. We said, there it is. There's all of mankind's knowledge. And it says, warning, there's a lot of offensive things that it's now generating. The version three of it has 175 billion parameters, I think I read today. So uh, go ahead and introduce the AI we're talking about. <laughs> um, so we're talking about what the OpenAI organization, I believe, is stewards of, and it's GPT-3. Bob, do you want to guess what GPT-3 means? It's an acronym. Generative Pertained Transformer. And it's the third version. Pre-trained, sorry. Whoa, typo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll read it from Wikipedia so we, we get it Wikipedia correct. Uh, GPT-3 is an auto-regressive, not aggressive, but auto-regressive language model that uses deep learning to produce human-like text. I'll just leave it right there. So what is GPT-3? What are we talking about? Basically, I a text generator. So we'll just start with that's basically all it is. But it's got... Well, it's a little bit ballsier than that, though, <laughs> well, isn't it? No, no, that's what GPT-3, it's a text generator. So the scary thing about it is, is it creates the kind of text that is natural language that makes it indistinguishable from a human, which basically, you know, that's the, that's the holy grail. It's the Turing test. Can you tell the difference between this or a human? And I would say, yeah, after been, reading... Some, there's some pretty big claims thrown around about it beating the Turing test, but... Which is an arbitrary test, too. Because if you can convince my, you know, uneducated family members that it's a human, you know, what does that really mean? You know, so who are we convincing here, right? So, anyway. So, uh, OpenAI. What do you know about OpenAI, Bob? Well... I think, well, I don't think. I know that Elon was one of the original uh, founding members, and which basically meant that he threw a bunch of cash at it. I think they all committed to, what is a billion dollars or something like that? Oof, I but don't know. Anyway, yeah. since then, Elon is no longer a board member because of some conflicting interests, probably with his neural net project. Mm. But he is still donating uh, funds to help fund the project. So. so Wikipedia truth here is OpenAI is an artificial intelligence research laboratory consisting of the for-profit corporation OpenAI LP and its parent company, the nonprofit OpenAI Inc. The company was considered a competitor to DeepMind, which is a Google thing, conducts research in the field of AI with the stated goal of promoting and developing friendly AI in a way that benefits humanity as a whole. I've got thoughts, Bob. What about you? <laughs> friendly AI that benefits humanity as a whole. Well, that let's sounds start really with, nice. Let's start with the idea that GPT-3 is associated with OpenAI, which is a for-profit company, or at least the LP version. So, Bob, think about this. We've got a an API that generates 
very natural language. And basically, you got to pay to play. And w- they are going to be the gatekeepers. It even says in their charter and they're all over their website. We get to decide whether or not your use of our API is good for humanity or not. And if if we find it that it isn't, we'll cut you off, yada, yada, yada. So what do you think of a for-profit artificial intelligence platform? Well, I think it's a bad idea. However, <laughs> um, all these things can't be just funded by people with super deep pockets out of the goodness of their heart because wait you're saying only rich people get to pull the strings bob well no only rich people get to pay for it i mean so you don't the, the research and, and vote with their money hey we think this should happen hey that didn't happen let me not give you money this time well that's the nefarious downside of it too somebody with deep pockets is going to have to fund it one way or the other, and they're going to be the primary beneficiaries of the success, but also the risk of failure. Um, I think things like this, there's probably projects all over the place that are similar to this that are just, you know, uh, you know, billing black holes. You're just throwing money at nothing. Vaporware. So this is pretty interesting that at least there's some tangible result of this. So you said it competes with deep minds. I mean, that's a, another project that's also for profit, correct? Uh, I would assume Google does nothing for free, even though, you know, it may feel that way. There's nothing for free over at Google. So one difference between, um, I guess, this and normal stuff is they call it AGI instead of um, just AI. Are you familiar, familiar with uh, artificial no, I'm not familiar general? With it. The general. Yeah. So gonna, what's the difference between a general and a non-general? Uh, I'm Googling or specific, it. I guess. Uh, let's see. General intelligence. 20. Nope, that's, uh, okay. Here we go. Wikipedia says, AGI is the hypothetical intelligence of a machine that has the capacity to understand or learn an any intellectual task that a human being can. It is the primary goal of some AI research and is a common topic in sci-fi and futuristic studies. AGI can also be referred to as strong AI, full AI, or general intelligent action. I'm thinking uh, ex machina, by the way. Um, Some academic resources reserve the term strong AI for machines that can experience consciousness. Today's AI is speculated to be decades away from AGI. But they're calling this AGI. I believe so, yes. And I think that is so, a bit of a controversial position for them to take. Well, and we've talked about this before. So you have very specific AIs, like a visual one, where is it a hot dog or is it not? Or, you know, is it a dog single or task. is it a muffin? Yeah, single task. So AI. And we've talked about before, like, you know, you have these single AI things over here. So one is like, it can look at, health data and do determinations. There's one that just looks at dogs to determine dog or not, you know, where this one, they're calling it general. And did you get a chance to peep any like examples of what people are doing with this software? For example, I didn't. Did you, uh, dive into that? I did. Can I share a couple of it? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you did it. (laughs) This part. (laughs) Okay. Go for it. So one of the examples that 
like just to frame this a little more, this is a language based intelligence. So taking typed in human speak and providing output based on the input. So one of the examples of somebody, some, something that someone built was a layout generator. And so you type in, uh, for example, I would like a table of data that displays the top X countries for population. And then what the AI does is it actually, this, this example cranks out JSX code to make that possible. Not just the page itself, but the code behind it to generate that table of data. So where that table of data is located, it selects where it's going to grab that data from and then crafts the front end display based on the parameters of the input. So, so you just basically to break describe quick, the layout so, and it builds it. <laughs> and you're saying it generates React code, which is JSX. And um, hey, Alexa, Give me some JSX code is basically what we're we're saying. But not give me cool. some JSX code. Give me a table of data of the top seven countries by population. So I would, I'd be I'd be curious if it's just a static like you know think of an HTML table with you know all the rows. But to me as a programmer, I'd be like, oh, I really don't want that. I really just want the for each loop. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, right. Cool, but, but the, it's not what I want. <laughs> but the simple fact that it takes written input, not code, and generates code working code, not just static, working code. Well, I will say that <clears throat> we have tons, like there's something called create react app and it's a command line process. You type that and it generates the entire app for you. you it know? generates the framework of the app. Correct. But I mean, it doesn't connect it to an external data source to get the data that you requested to be displayed in the framework. But I'm saying if we wanted that, that's just like yet another script. So I'm just trying to differentiate, okay, it's cool, but is this just a voice interface that does the same exact thing? Or is this text Alexa? interface. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Text interface, which I call it a command line. Um, now, I got to ask, cool, but it sounds like somebody made this app. So again, we didn't just ask this GPT-3 GPT, I need you to build this script for me. And here's what I want it to do. I mean, maybe, I, I don't think that's what it is, right? My inference is from the library of parameters and data input, they basically fed at the internet, that by that it chose to use JSX and produce the result. Well, I'm just asking dumb questions because I don't know. You know. Just tell me you don't know either or, or you do know. But you said that these are implementations that people did. So this isn't just like, hey, just ask the generic GPT-3. Somebody took time to develop this against their API because you got to get a key. I, I read, you know, you got to get it in their beta program. So again, this just, just sounds like more code that does automation. I, you know, I guess I'm less impressed than yeah, what I thought Yeah, so basically I'm watching, the, I'm watching the animated GIF of what's happening in the, the layout generator and he says you know in the he says describe it it says describe a layout just describe a layout you want and i'll try to render below and he says a button for every color of the rainbow and it makes a button a table of the richest countries in the world with the column named gdp with the columns named gdp and it gave an error but it did generate some code 
Oh, it just didn't close the table. That's all it did. <laughs> junior, <laughs> junior right, developer junior AI. Dev, right. <laughs> yeah, but by closing the T body in the table, it actually came up with the name and the GDP. I so, mean, and that's then he cool. Asked, asked it for the ugliest, ugliest emoji ever. <laughs> uh, that's cool, but you know, Five if you translate with the- a random number between one and ten. How many times are you going to need it to do what you just told me to do, though? Not very many. It it feels like more like a magic trick. Great. I don't want to watch, you know, guess this card all day either. You know, it's cool. You can do tricks, but how's this help? Remember, though, this just came out into the wild. Well, this is the third version. It better be impressive by now. Right. Um, So I think it's more impressive that you can tell it's, hey, uh, give me a review of Indiana Jones. I saw that one. You know, tell me why Indiana Jones should not be tenured. You know, it's just like this random, you know, thing. And it produces block of text that sounded very convincing. And you would have no idea that it was just computer generated. Like, that's cool. But again, I'm looking at this going, all right, what's the good use so far? So maybe you've got one. So you got one before I keep going? Well, uh, you mentioned the, you know, the text response. Uh, have you ever played the game Dungeons and Dragons? Oh yeah. Like we're talking like, like the old mud, mud games, multi-user dungeon, something. Yeah. You're sitting at a table with all of your nerdy friends and someone is a dungeon master and they've drawn up this, you know, elaborate map and in their mind crafted the story behind. So there's an app called dragon model that is based off of GPT three and it is basically cohesive storytelling generated on the fly. So that GPT three cool. is is the dungeon master. <laughs> but and it's let, called let, Dragon. Let me throw Model. some shade at that real quick. So you and I did an episode and it was basically entitled, Is any of this tech really new? Because Bob, have you ever played World of Warcraft or anything like that? Full disclosure, I have not. All right. So a lot of, you know, a lot of the game is static. You know, you can go to this, uh, this place, this land over here, this shop is here, but a lot of them have what's called an instance, meaning it's going to create a dungeon immediately on the fly and it's different every time. So it automatically generates these dungeons. That's been around since early 2000s. But this doesn't create the dungeon. Yes, it it does. It does it with text. Yes, but it doesn't create it all at once. It basically is a choose your own adventure without the adventure being determined. Well, okay. But so and, and it carries a cohesive thread and there's actually a system of magic that it's generated as well. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's got some cool things there, but I also want to, you know, kind of point out this really if you're a diehard gamer, this really isn't all that new. Uh, in fact, it's 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 not that new. If if it can like basically tell a story forever and ever and ever, you can code up a game to do the same thing okay you've gotten to this point generate more you got to this point generate more because if once you can generate a you can generate b c d and all all that so again i'm throwing shade at this i'm just trying but to I look think at what the sparkle i think the sparkle is what you alluded to a couple minutes ago is that it's really not distinguishable that this is being generated by a machine at this point yes because it takes your response to its prior input and then expands that in response. So it's basically a recursive algorithm that's 
constantly pulling in feedback. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like those cold readers, like John, remember John Edwards is like, you know, all right, you have a, there's a woman in your life, Bob. Um, she, she really, you don't really have a great relationship. And, you know, it's just reading all these cues off you and you're like, yes, oh, tell me more. Yeah. And then, you know, we, the algorithm's just reacting to just like a human would be like, oh, I'm just going to take you on an adventure. And so, I mean, that's interesting, but again, it's just, what's the good? I just keep thinking of really, really, really bad Black Mirror ideas keep coming up. Well, no, and I think that's, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I found, and I guess we can transition to this part of it, is like, there's obviously some limitations, and we've talked about this before with AI. The machine has no common sense. So if the input is taking the machine down a dark path, the machine is going to continue to go farther and farther down that dark path. There's nothing in the machine that's going to say, Ooh, this is getting pretty dark. Maybe we should try to lighten this up a little bit. It, it doesn't, you know, and one of the other limitations is that (laughs) it doesn't really have a running narrative. It can't maintain like a cohesive narrative over several paragraphs. Right. What context we've always talked about context. AI really has really shitty context. Uh, well, here's one crazy Black Mirror idea. So you've you've called somebody and got put on hold, right? Pre- or press one or whatever. Or, you know, just these automated responses. I could see in the future somebody goes, "Hey, you know, we can replace our entire call center with this GPT three, and we'll just be like, I don't know, just interact with the system." And then you know, the eventual Black Mirror part of this is, "Hey, uh, my lights aren't working." And then the AI who sounds perfectly human and they don't disclose that it's really a computer. It's like, go to your electric panel, take off the panel, put screwdriver. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This part's going to sound a little crazy, but trust me, this is going to fix it. Take your yeah. screwdriver and put it right in the main input. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's just like, and then are you there? Well, have a nice day. You know, hit the person's dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it goes to the next call. <laughs> Well, here's a more current day possible place where this could go really badly. Think about it doesn't, it's not really good at context, but it is really good at short responses that follow the flow of the input versus the output. So you put this in the hands of an automated social media account that um, the initial input is, you know, like something political and this could be this this bot for lack of a better term could be impersonating a known you know political person and come up with responses that could seem pretty legitimate from that person but also be incredibly filled with disinformation or misinformation because it's just making it up on the fly trump used the word orgasmic this week in a tweet <laughs> so the the precedent has been set that Anybody can say anything, so you don't really need sophisticated AI anymore. Just get some random words out of the dictionary. Did he not mean orgasmic? What did he mean? Oh, no, he said something about it was like a fighter, you know, watching somebody fight was orgasmic. You know, it's just like, oh, God, was he talking about Colby Covington? I'm not sure. There's an MMA fighter that fought this and won this weekend, and he called him. The president called him when he was doing his post-fight interview. Ah, gotcha. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I bet you that's what it was. We just had an Apple event, right? And what was the big product? 
release? Well, that depends on who you ask, but for me, it was the Apple the Apple Watch software yep. enhancements. That's, that's where I was going. Okay. So okay. one of their features is, hey, we've detected you've fallen down. You know, are you okay? You know, that's great. Or your your heart rate's up, and that's anomalous. Great. I see one bad use of this GPT three. Let's say Apple gets this and be like, hey, and you know what? You know what doctors really love is when you Google stuff right before you go see them, <laughs> and you'd be like, hey, you know, on Google, I mean, my doctor wants to kill me every time. She's like, dude, knock it out. Can I be the doctor? Can I? Can I be the doctor? Can you just be the patient? Can I be the doctor? That's great. So what I see in the future is some app, you know, it's basically connected to this, you know, hey, I've been listening to you, you know, or I've been taking all these measurements. I think you have this really horrible disease. You should take this kind of medicine and treat this right now because the internet says to do this. Well, it's and that funny that you should mention that example because um, somebody did do a medical uh iteration of this the question a 10 year old boy presents with recurrent episodes of dyspnea cough and wheeze triggered by cold air and allergens after performing tests he is diagnosed with an obstructive disease and given medication which receptor is the medication most likely to work so it was a multiple choice question a uh something receptor b g protein coupled receptor c era D, ERB, and EA1 receptor. And the AI came back with the correct answer is B and then explained the answer. The patient is suffering from asthma, a disease of the airway. The drug used to treat the asthma are bronchodilators. The bronchodilators act as the beta-2 receptors. The beta-2 receptors are G-protein-coupled receptors. Was it the correct answer, Bob? It was the correct answer, and the diagnosis was actually dead on and so part of me will say man that's awesome ship it ship the code let's get it and then the other part of me um says that this is an anecdotal evidence that you got one right doesn't mean you'll get the oh, next one right 100 percent, 100 percent. but it's just it's interesting what people have been playing with and i did that in scare quotes um playing with so far with this released beta. See, I, I'm always on the side of AI is going to do some really good stuff 80% of the time. <laughs> it's that 20% of the time it's not. When The question then is for humans, when will it be the 20% and when will it be the 80%? And how would you like to take that risk? Yeah, and you and I have talked about this before in episodes, like how high percentage correctness does it have to get? It's 97% sure that that's a... A cat, not a hamburger. How the <laughs> fuck do you have 3% doubt that it's a cat? <laughs> you know, or a hamburger, you know? It is or it isn't, right? There's no yes. there's no in-betweens here. Anyway, uh, um, continue. Is there any other usages that you have seen? Because I just keep thinking of how Facebook looks at this and goes, ooh, so you're telling me we can just start using this to... Feed our manipulation engine even more, Bob. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the paths that I have jotted down as a place to go. Um, obviously, all this stuff is going to end up converging, you know, from the social dilemma episode we did 
we talked about the various, you know, singular activity AIs that Facebook has got working behind the scenes to achieve, you know, the addictiveness, the, you know, sliding in the advertising and all that kind of stuff. So eventually when you start to throw in a, a layer like this, perhaps the advertisements get written on the fly and look more like testimonials than advertisements. And they could just be friends that you've made or, you know, promoted sponsored posts that are all, you know, this type of AI. So that's not good. So uh, open AI attempts to explain why, why pay money, you know, why not just make it open source? Um, so if it were open source, the obvious um, negative would be that bad actors could just use it. And so what they're doing is they're trying to justify the, the profit and they call it profit capped, by the way. <laughs> so that sounds so noble. Hey guys, we'll only make so much money. Hey, what if we want to make more? Hey, we'll just change the cap, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're profit capped for now. And that's amazing. You should, you should get on that train, Bob. Anyway, would, so there's I'd that. I'd love to be in that board of directors meeting. Oh, the motion up for approval today is, would y'all like to make more money? If so, we're <laughs> going to raise the cap. All in favor? <laughs> yeah. In fact, we have our API just going to answer for us because that's a dumb question. Yeah, yes. It's just going to say yes. Uh, they have rules like... they. You know, they can only buy minority stakes. The board members can only buy. I mean, it's just like this this whole idea of Silicon Valley once again decides, you know what, guys, we can make our own rules and we'll 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 put our own safety rules and we'll police ourselves. Cause that's worked so great in the past. And I think that's just a great way to go. What do you think, Bob? <sighs> yeah. I mean, here we are. We're we started today's episode and we talked about an AI gone awry with cropping and now we're talking about people going awry governing the sales price of this AI. <laughs> so AI sucks and people suck question mark. <laughs> so they're they're gatekeeping who can do it. So you can try to join the waitlist, but you have to explain why you're gonna use it and how you're gonna use it, and they'll monitor how you use it. But again, they're the ones kind of passing the morality. I mean, so I guess somebody's got to do it. You know, who's going to be the morality? But they're the ones that get to decide whether or not you're using it for good or for not. Well, There's but my understanding be- is the beta that you can play with that you have to sign up for is not even actually the fully fed model. Like, it's not the fully educated model. So I don't really know... I didn't do a lot of research into the for sale version of it. Like, obviously that's, I was actually under the impression that they were keeping the fully fed version to themselves. Maybe. Um, So, you know, this in the hands of China, Russia is only going to seek to, you know, make our election dot next that much worse. So, you know, and they get to gatekeep this somehow, some way, but you know, I don't know. I just, I just don't see this as being uh, necessarily a good thing. Again, you know, Oppenheimer created the bomb. Good job. Now what? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, now we got to use it. Um, but I do think it's completely arrogant that, I mean, it's great that openai.org has this, this thing they're working on this, you know, 
what did what do we call it? Uh, a G I. Yeah. Yes. Artificial general so intelligence. Right. It's great that they have this and they're working on it. They're not the only people working on stuff like this. I'm sure that we are severely lagging behind, you know, China, Japan, other highly technical nations with probably far less moral fiber than us. Question All mark. Right. I'm going to put you on the spot, Bob. I think you can come up with 99 bad uses of this. Can you give me one good one? Well, let's put good in quotes. <laughs> but Okay. Yeah. Let's, can you give me one Bob Beatty Bars good? Oh, no. That's yes. totally worse. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go... Good for I, humanity? Uh, nope. How about interesting? Let, okay. Let's, let, let's put the, uh, an interesting... Not necessarily bad. Let's not pass judgment on this, but interesting. Right. I know this is one of your favorite topics. Um, sex let me, bots. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bridge this to sex bots. Yes. Um, as we've talked about in other episodes, you know, there's all these different, and I've, I guess, apparently said it a million times in this episode, these singular function AIs. So you've got vision. Um, you've got AI that can monitor slash hear. And now you've got this language-based AI. They can most certainly take this text input and go um, text speech to text and then this processes and it goes back out as text to speech. So you start to marry these pieces together and not only do you have an animatronic, we'll call it a sex bot because we did have an episode where we talked about sex bots, but now you could start to have a sex bot that could see, that could hear, that could take your verbal input and give you verbal output just through something like a GPT-3. Um, it might not be super cohesive and coherent over the long run, but when you think about the purpose of this tool, <laughs> this sex bot, doesn't that just enhance the experience? Yes. Um, <laughs> they talked about sex bots uh, in one of Joe Rogan's uh, podcasts that I listened to with Jenny Kleeman. She's the author of Sex robots and vegan meat how those two blend together i'm not exactly sure but that's the name of the book um one of the things they talked about in there is you know sex bots kind of you know there's <laughs> there's good and bad with them mostly bad because you know with any sort of ai what and we've determined this before it's ai and machine learning as you make it more sophisticated it becomes closer to human but do humans treat AI and things like that as actual humans? They don't. So they have this emotional disconnect. Um, so therefore, um, essentially what we've determined is when you create super sophisticated AI that looks human, talks human and whatnot, but isn't human, it's a slave. We're basically creating, you know, a slave thing that you are just emotionally completely detached from and that you don't care how you treat it necessarily and things like that. So, um, you know, as we move from unsophisticated to sophisticated AI or AGI, if you will, at what point do you say, oh, this is a this is more than just code? And maybe you never can. I, I really don't know if I can ever make that leap. This is just code. This is just code talking back to me. But at what point, as we personify them, put them in an Android body, not not, not the Google Android, but like data from Star Trek Android body. <laughs> At what point do they have rights? And we've talked ad infinitum about who, who's it? Sophia, who's a resident yes. 
citizenship of Saudi Arabia, which is like the last country I would have picked, you know, for them to actually approve that. But um, at what point is all this coolness um, creating emotional problems for humans? Because yes, it does all these things, but you, and it's like a human, but you don't treat it like a human. So in your mind, you're psychologically like, it, you're not real. You're dead to me. I can do whatever you want. I can abuse you. You're, you know, humans like to do that sort of thing. And so even GPT-3, something like this, as it becomes this more personal thing and then you stick it into a robot, even if it's a sex robot, at some point, I think the human mind starts believing that, that it's real. And, you know, it just... Didn't just you make me really watch some show that was all about a robot murder? <laughs> uh, was it the Russian one? I think so. Uh, better Than Us, I think. Yes. Yes. And so, that was about a robot murder, right? Yeah. Uh well, I mean and and you know, sex bots and you know and you know they kind of turn on their creators and they escape and you know things like that. And it's very ex machina which to me is one of, one of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen that movie, go see that movie or uh stream it, I guess. Guess you can't go see it. But, you know, it's all these questions. You're like, so the main person in Ex Machina has a sexual relationship with his bots, but he doesn't treat them as human. However, the the bots over time exhibit more and more human qualities, and it just gets really a weird kind of juxtaposition. Yeah, but that's the fiction thing, and that's the whole real world, or not real world, Westworld thing, too. Um, But isn't that what... I mean, nobody, nobody has really come out and said, we plan to basically make those things. But in a way, isn't that what they're trying to do implicitly? I think that that's their ultimate goal. But I think that it's a reach goal. Not, I mean, not going to pretend. I think they'll get it close, but they won't get it close enough where, I mean, you could just like they can teach these AIs or AGIs, you know, this vast dictionary encyclopedia of knowledge they could start to train you know here's a scenario here's the right response here's the wrong response they could but then bias comes into that completely because who's going to be the purveyor of right and wrong so the bots will never and they'll still just be pretending but in effect gosh isn't that what we're doing like okay i want to go down this rabbit hole real quick with you so elon musk is doing the whole neural link thing so if you don't know what Neuralink is, it, and I watched his May Joe Rogan recently. Basically, he intends to drill through your skull and put in an electrode, basically. Yeah, that's for just a small plug. And then Lex Friedman, kind of in a different pod, was talking, hey, you know, we may never be able to travel to Proxima Centauri because it's just too far away. Human body can only last so long. However, what if you could put a Neuralink in somebody, send a spaceship without the actual human body there. And then you could actually tune into an avatar that's on that ship that did survive the mission decades later. Um, and because at the end of the day, what how, here, Elon says this, how do you know you're not just a brain in a vat somewhere in a, in, you know, because everything you experience is electrical signals, every single thing. And then the answer is, is you don't know you're a brain in a vat other than the one you actually have on top of your shoulders, there's a brain in that right there. But, you know, so if, 
imagine we had a Neuralink for somebody whose body is no longer able to do whatever. So you put a Neuralink, but you could link it to a robot that could do all these, that can have mobility. One day that may be closer. So you don't actually need the AI to be in the robot. You just need a, for lack of a better term, a really cool Bluetooth link with, with much longer, longer range, you know, with 5G or Starlink. Man, this is all Elon's fault. Yeah, but if, uh, you get to, but if you get to that point, why do you even need the real world experience on the other end? Why don't exactly. you just put them in a game? Exactly. So I love the movie The Matrix, the first one, because how do we know we're not in the freaking Matrix, which is another episode we've done? And how do we know that we're not moving actually towards that um, with our AI when we when we figure out that, you know what, maybe maybe we are the AI that's inventing another AI <laughs> and we just don't realize it. Or we are in the matrix in these tiny discoveries that we're making for the, if with AI advancements, with technological advancements, are the actual breadcrumb clues that someone left for us to lead us to understand that we are indeed in the matrix. Yeah. Maybe I'm in an organic avatar right now. And, you know, the real me, if that even exists, is a brain in a vat somewhere. And I'm just experiencing, I mean, we've gotten really cool because, you know, Calculus is, you know, one of the fields of calculus is as you approach infinity, you know, as you project out to foreverness, are you converging with the line? Are you diverging from the line? So if, if you project on our technological track right now, I think we're on a path that we will no longer have the need for biological bodies. I know. Our generation will. <laughs> but a yeah. hundred million generations from now, I think we won't. But I think that that's probably on a parallel path. So you've got all these artificial intelligence, the people exploring that people trying to basically develop consciousness for lack of a better term. Yeah. And at the same time, also probably in search, there's different groups that probably cross over in search of mortality or immortality. Sorry. So, so those so, two paths are going to converge for sure. So, Everyone's always trying to explain God and beginning of the universe and all these fun to, to argue with, not fun, uh, topics with certain groups. <laughs> so imagine our, our layer, if you will, of the onion is going to develop something in that in the future we plug in. Neuralink becomes the norm. And then we realize that we just got to hook ourselves the tubes that will sustain our body. And then when we plug in a Neuralink, we log into a system and then that becomes our conscious, that becomes our reality. So we're like, you know, screw this place. This place sucks. Our planet's dead. It, you know, we can have people underground. You know, we've got this technology to keep the organic cells alive, but we just can't experience a blue sky anymore or fresh oceans. Put in the Neuralink, log into this program, boom, you're there. And then while you're in this fake world, you start developing, you know, just like, um, you'd have in-game purchases, so to speak, but you're no longer aware that you're in the game. Right. So uh, I've talked with Jackson, my son, who plays Fortnite. I said, imagine if you're... So you're moving around that character. Imagine if that character had a, had awareness, but his, his or her awareness is only the video game. That was their real world. And imagine you're building things in this game. And if we go back to the game of life things, you can take some very simple things and turn it into very complex systems. So how many layers it's I'm, I'm postulating that 
that we have a, an onion of maybe this has happened many, many times where there was a beginning potentially that evolved to a system that turned into Neuralink that created a system that wasn't aware of Neuralink that created another one. And so, you know, ad infinitum. This and we're just, just an, this could be just an iteration of somebody exactly. else's development. We're on the 10th yeah. iteration and we're completely unaware of the previous nine. So we think we're the first iteration. Yeah. That's also, I think a pretty common theory to explain and, why and we're so fucked up <laughs> to us. Our creators our God or whatever are, you know, that one layer back, you know, and theirs is one layer back and new people are just new people coming into the game, our layer from that other shell, if you will. And yes, do I sound crazy? Yes, because our current reality here is so (laughs) realistic and believable and and we just can't let ourselves believe those things, you know. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> like, are we in the matrix or not? You know, I used to think, Oh, that's stupid. Now I think, Holy crap. If, if really all I perceive is electrical signals, then why not? <laughs> How would I not know? Right. And does it really matter? It um, doesn't matter. Cause this is, you're right. That that's kind of the more important thing. Cause I think most people are like, well, I don't know. I don't care. Cause I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to play within the rules of this one. So let's take it back to GPT-3 to wrap. Um, I'm going to put some words in your mouth and then you can refute them. Nope. You think it's a dumb box. Yes. But we're <laughs> surrounded we're surrounded by people all day, every day who know a bunch of stuff and can respond to queries when asked with pretty good accuracy, but can't carry a conversation to save their lives. How is that person any different than GPT-3? I would answer that 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 a human has an ability to curry a long context and put things in frame of references way better than GPT-3. Also, GPT-3's computing needs far outstrip the efficiency of this biological computer called a brain. Right now, yes. Yes. Well, I only know today. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. So... I'm going to say GPT-3 slightly south of good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's only got bad implications because, and and it's not just because I can't think of a good one right now. I'm just thinking this is just somebody's cool science experiment that's highly funded that turn that makes for really good tax write-offs and makes really good for ego puffing and VC people goes, yeah, I'm investing in open AI and it can generate really cool, convincible text. And people go, well, what are we going to use it for? Well, it's like blockchain. We're not sure yet, um, but we'll get back to you on that one. I think all these exercises give humanity, like whether the outcome of the exercise is net positive, net negative, or, you know, even anything. I think the exercise in and of itself and conversations around the outcomes and the exercises help us learn more about how we as humans learn and evolve. So that's why it's just, just South of good. (laughs) I think (laughs) or South of neutral. Here's my next black mirror idea. One day in the future, we will elect a world leader, probably president for, of the United States that nobody's ever actually seen, but only heard. And it will turn out to be AI. 
or I can't, I can't argue with that one. <laughs> or they'll see them, but they'll never. You'll never be in the same room as that person. Yeah. So we've you know, got it'll be artificially generated imagery, video, you know, deep faked, you know, art, you know, and then we'll just be like, how Written did so and so get elected? Just like 2016, but <laughs> too, too soon. Electoral uh, college full of idiots gave him the gave it the win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one day I think we'll have an AI that's. Its single task isn't to play chess or to generate text. Its single purpose will be to manipulate the the game, and the game will be elections, so that so and so gets elected. It will just become a, a power chip. It'll be like, oh yeah, I mean, just like social media right now. You can't tell me that social media isn't the primary factor for who does and who doesn't get elected right now. There's no, I don't know about here. Let me segue real quick. There is no political ads for the first time ever. I've not, I've not seen one political ad on television. Oh, I, I don't it. watch mainstream television. So I, I got to defer to you on that one. I mean, how many years have you looked at the TV and go, Oh my God, I just want to get through this season. Cause it's nothing but stupid ads. Well, I don't know. I'd have to watch a, a real time TV show, but I know when I've watched tuned into news television, real time it is flooded with political ads so say so, right, here i don't want to go down the political ad rabbit hole <laughs> on this one because we're well we're, we're an hour and four in so well what i'm what i'm all i'm getting at is in the future the manipulation engines and and honestly i just look at this i, I look at ai more and more as manipulation engines you know hey let me find the game let me find the the crack in the system here it is now let's let's put water in it, let it freeze, do it again, cr- make that crack really open and let's exploit. And these are kind of exploitation things. 100%. 100%. Because if we go back to the medical thing, hmm, should I go to my human doctor or should I just ask medical open AI? Uh, I'm going to the human 100% of the time. Sorry, I'll take my chances there. But if you call, you might not know. I'm not calling. <laughs> and I want to like poke my doctor. <laughs> Are you real? Are you a hologram? Because that'll be that'll be like in 30 years. <sighs> Are you a real person? How do you tell if it's a real person in front of you? Not just, you know, on the phone, not just in video, but in real life. Because there'll be like these mobile holographic projectors or some shit. I don't know. I've seen some holograms show up at concerts and they, I think they have about as far to go as AI does. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know what? I hate to... I, Joe Rogan always talks about how humans, like, we have this insatiable need to, for more and new technology. Like, you know, in, in the, the, the usual trope or the story he uses is like honeybees. When's the last time you saw honeybees want to do anything other than make a hive and honey and make babies? I mean, that's yep. just what they do. Humans are like, no, that's not good enough. We need to have cell phones. We need to have all these things. So humans are have a uh, monopoly on this insatiable need for, we got to have better. Why do you need the new iPhone? Well, I don't, but I'm going to get it. You know, I, fortunately, I, I'm against a lot of that stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm turning into the old man <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I never thought I would. If you're playing along at home for the Bob and Kevin drinking game and you chose to drink every time Joe Rogan was mentioned today, <laughs> I'm sorry for your liver. Um, <laughs> how do you want to wrap up? 
Give us your parting uh, thoughts. My parting thought on open AI and AI in general is this is the Jurassic Park stuff of the tech. And I just, just because you can, just because you're well-funded doesn't mean that you're, you're good. And just because you have charters that say, Oh, we're going to profit cap ourselves and do all these things. They're just, you're just, you're just fooling yourself and trying to fool us. And I don't know, at the end of the day, I still think real human interaction is still pretty valuable. What about you, Bob? For anyone at home who's shocked by Kevin's response there, I encourage you to listen to episodes 001 through 078. <laughs> um, Why? Why? <laughs> he's he's very consistent, if anything. Um, probably on the same other side of the coin, I am very consistent as well. I think these are necessarily evil exercises for humanity to understand themselves in a better light. So and that's my you, story and I'm sticking to it. And if you're, you're, you have the Bob and Kevin choose your own adventure and you turn to page 367 where Bob gets his way, you will see humanity will be erased here in just about <laughs> five years. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get erased. That's this is getting chippy. Inevitable. <laughs> Anyway. All right, all. I'm going to go hug my kids now. Thanks Jesus. for tuning in. <laughs> what? Gonna go so hug I'm going to go kids? hug my kids now. I feel like this is not good. All right. That's a good one to end on. Everyone go hug their, hug their loved ones and tell them you're so glad that they're not AI-driven or AGI-driven bots. Yeah. Put down Until, your Facebook and tablets. Yes. Yes. Get off social media. Keep listening to podcasts, though, because that's where all the factual information is. <laughs> Until next time, thanks for listening to the Bob and Kevin Show. Bye. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin Show? Well, first, you can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect.